Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. During this edition, award-winning journalist Alex Newman exposes the founding and the goals of the education establishment. Mr. Newman has authored and co-authored several books, including Crimes of the Educators. In 2019, Alex and a coalition of Christian leaders formed Public School Exit. The Illinois Family Institute is teaming with this ministry, working to rescue children from government schools. Mr. Newman was one of the featured speakers during the 2021 IFI Worldview Conference held at Revive Church in Collinsville. During this segment from his presentation, he explains that students in government schools are being taught that ethics are relative. And Mr. Newman outlines the push for a global education system. Now, part of the way they get kids to buy into all this is a very sophisticated tactic, and it's just one example I could show you. But they did this to me, and it had a profound impact on my life, so I want to share it with you. It's called values clarification. Uh, the UN promotes this as it should be used all over the world. They say it helps undermine child's belief in right and wrong. Why would you want to do that? Okay, well, I think I have a good idea why. So this is how it worked. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in class, and the teacher tells us, hey, you're all in a, in a ship, and the ship is sinking. You've all got to jump off into a lifeboat, but oops, 11 people jumped into your lifeboat, and there's only space for 10. So you've got uh, a doctor, and a teacher, and a lawyer, and an Indian chief. Uh, who are you going to murder? Who are you going to kill so that you can all survive? It's for the greater good, after all, right? Uh, and, you know, I mean, everybody knows the correct answer, right? Lawyer. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. There's a great lawyer here, too. Uh, I'm just messing around. Uh, so, I mean, if the kids were thinking, they'd put on their thinking caps and they'd say, well, wait, what, what kind of question is that? That's really leading. We don't have to murder anybody. Uh, I'll volunteer to be the first one to swim alongside the raft, and, and then we'll take turns. Once I get too tired, the next one can jump in the water, and then we don't have to kill anybody. See, that would require some thinking, and that's not what they're supposed to do. So the way that this is supposed to go is they're supposed to say, well, hmm, which one is the most valuable to us? He's had a long life. She, you know, maybe, maybe we could just get rid of him. Right? Uh, and what does this do? Well, the child was told by his parents, by his pastor, by the Bible that you shouldn't murder. And now they're in an ethical quandary. The only moral, ethical solution is for us to kill somebody. So what happens? Their parents, their pastor, and the Bible are all instantly discredited, and they now believe that morality depends on the situation. Your ethics are relative. Okay? This is by design. They planned it out that way, and they brag about it. Okay, Ronald Reagan, uh, even before I was born, put together a commission, the National Commission on Excellence in Education. They said our very future as a nation and as a people is threatened by this educational system. They said if a foreign power had done it to us, we would have viewed it as an act of war, and we should. Okay? America wasn't always this dumbed down. In fact, uh, early America was the most highly educated place on planet Earth. John Adams wrote in a letter to his friend that an American who can't read or write is as rare as a comet or an earthquake. Okay? The Federalist Papers, these were written for average people, farmers, merchants, blacksmiths, shoemakers, right? Go try to find a young person who can read them today. Uh, we've got a lot of data on early literacy in America. Some cities we had 100% literacy in places like Boston, 90% in other places. Uh, DuPont de Nemours in 1812 came out with a literacy study. He found that now more than four in a thousand young people are unable to write legibly, even neatly. Okay, I can't write legibly, and I bet most of the people in this room can't either. We fell a long way, didn't we? 
Uh, the, the colonial education was incredible. And then I'll give you a very abbreviated history of how we got to where we are. See, the idea of government education was really radical when it was first proposed by this communist, Robert Owen. In fact, it was almost unthinkable. Parents and the church were doing just a fine and dandy job. Why would we want the government to educate our kids? Well, he uh, wrote these essays, and they didn't catch on in America, but the Prussian ambassador took them back to Prussia, and the Prussian dictator said, hey, that's a good idea, let's do that. So he ordered a, the erection of a government school system. Uh, this guy, uh, Robert Owen, communist before communism was cool, he actually set up a communist commune not far from here, in New Harmony, Indiana. And it failed almost immediately, took less than two years, because communism is ridiculous and anti-biblical. So he decided that the real solution here was to start getting the kids in government schools and shape them into good little collectivists. He formed a secret society to advance this agenda. And uh, we know because there was a whistleblower, Orestes Brownson, and he wrote a book about this whole thing. He was actually one of the organizers for this secret society. Then he came to Christ, he repented of this wickedness, and he tried to blow the whistle. He said the great object was to get rid of Christianity. That was their main objective. So they did this by trying to shift public opinion and get men elected to the legislatures who would support government schools. Well, Horace Mann came on the scene late 1830s, early 1840s, and he brought the Prussian system from Prussia back to Massachusetts. He got himself selected as the first ever Secretary of Education of any one of our states, and he built a government school system in the state of Massachusetts. He built a training system for teachers to be trained by the government, and right away the quackery came in. He also rejected the Bible and biblical truth. He wanted the Bible out of schools. He said this would stop the sectarianism because, you know, Presbyterians don't necessarily agree with Lutherans and Baptists, so let's just get the Bible out and we'll, we'll be fine. Obviously, that didn't fly. Uh, it took a long time before Americans were ready to swallow that pill, but that was his objective. Okay? Uh, he wanted to equalize all men using the public school system, and he introduced this method of teaching reading called the whole word method. Well, they tried it out in the schools in Boston, and within a couple years, it was obvious that the kids couldn't learn how to read this way. So all the schoolmasters in Boston said, hey, this doesn't work. This is dumb. We're going to stop that right now. And that was the end of it until John Dewey came along, late 1800s, got some huge grants from the Rockefellers. They resurrected this quackery. Now, a little bit of uh, background on John Dewey. Uh, he was an actual communist. Uh, he went over to the Soviet Union, and he loved what they were doing. You can read his articles about his trip to the Soviet Union. He especially loved their education system. He boasted that it was creating a collectivistic mentality in the children. Okay. Uh, he actually recognized that parents and teachers would not be okay with this, so we, we reprinted uh, an essay that he wrote in the back of the book, Crimes of the Educators. He says, change must come gradually. To force it unduly would compromise its final success by favoring a violent reaction. So he knew they'd be tarred and feathered if parents caught on to what they were doing. He resurrected the whole word method of teaching reading until it was exposed in 1955 by Rudolf Flesch. Why Johnny can't read? The answer is simple, because the teaching of reading all over the United States in all the textbooks in all the schools is completely wrong, flies in the face of all logic and common sense. So uh, that was a big scandal. Now we've got the brain scans. We can actually see the physical damage this quackery is doing to children. And you're probably not surprised to know that under Common Core, this quackery is mandatory starting in kindergarten. You wonder why 50% of Americans on the federal government's data are either functionally illiterate or so close that we can lump them together? It's because they've been taught using this quack methodology. You get the kids to memorize sight words. Now, I want to spend a couple minutes on John Dewey's religion, too, because he was a religious man, not in the sense that we might uh, understand, but he was one of the authors of the first humanist manifesto. So the first tenet of his religion was that uh, we religious humanists regard the universe as self-existing and not created. Okay. Well, what does the Bible say? In the beginning, God created. Right off the bat, they're going to contradict Scripture. Uh, if, even if you're not a Bible-believing Christian, there are important political implications to this, and I think you should be a Bible-believing Christian. But um, 
Our founding fathers didn't think this was a, a controversial statement, that you had to be a Bible scholar. They said it's a self-evident truth that God created us and that he made us equal and that he gave us certain unalienable rights. Okay? This is actually, this humanist religion, it actually goes right back to the garden. Right? You get to be your own little God. You get to know for yourself what's right and wrong. Mankind can be God. Right? That's exactly what we heard from the snake in Genesis 3.5. So the Supreme Court established this religion in 1962 and 1963. They said no more prayer, no more Bible. And then one of the justices, Justice Potter Stewart, he said that refusal to permit religious exercises, this was in his dissent, is not the realization of a state of neutrality, but rather, he said, the establishment of a religion of secularism or humanism. So the Supreme Court, under the guise of the First Amendment, which says Congress shall not pass any laws, established a national religion and forced us to pay for it. So now we're moving toward a global education system. Um, the UNESCO is taking a leading role here. Here's the head of the UN at an education conference convened by the UN talking about this. Education must do more than produce individuals who can read, write, and count. It must nurture global citizens who can rise to the challenges of the 21st century. So global citizens, huh? Uh, they're moving toward a global education system. This was Arne Duncan. He said UNESCO, the UN's education agency, is his global partner in turning our kids into green global citizens. He said education is the most powerful weapon you can use to change the world and that it's now a global public good unconstrained by national boundaries. And that brings us to this guy, Robert Mueller. Uh, he wrote, he was commissioned to write, a world core curriculum. And you can find this on the UN's website. They say it should be taught in every school on the planet. And I want to teach you a little bit about this. So Robert Mueller wrote it, and in the foreword to the teacher's manual, he gives some really important insight. He says that the underlying philosophy upon which this is based will be found in the teachings of Alice Bailey by the Tibetan teacher Javal Kul. And to most people, that means nothing. Who's Alice Bailey? Well, I'll give you a hint. She was the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company. Now they call it the Lucius Trust because it was just a little too obvious. So they also, uh, this Tibetan teacher, he's not Tibetan, he's not a teacher, he's not even a human being. Uh, he's one of these ascended masters. Alice Bailey claimed she was in communication with these spiritual entities. One of them was the Tibetan teacher, Juval Kul. And her and this Tibetan wrote a book about education in the New Age. And they said, and I'm quoting, world citizenship with a world federation and a world brain should be the goal of the enlightened. Okay? We just need to get there by fusing Marxism and neo-scholasticism using the methods advocated by John Dewey. And that's what they're doing. Okay? Uh, Bill Gates went over to UNESCO in 2004, and he actually signed an agreement with them to create global standards, global curricula, global teacher training programs, and global technological systems for planetary education, and started working on Common Core. Now, what's the relation between the UN's agenda and Common Core? I'm going to let them speak for themselves. This is a commercial produced by the Common Core people explaining exactly what's going on. Up until now, it's been pretty hard to tell how well kids are competing in school and how well they're going to do when they get out of school. Is a girl in your neighborhood being taught as much as her friend over in the next one? Is a graduating senior in, say, St. Louis as prepared to get a job as the graduate in Shanghai? Well, it turns out the answer to both of these questions is no. Because for years, states have been setting different standards for what students should know and be able to do at each grade level. What we really need are clear goals. That's where the Common Core state standards come in. The standards are consistent from school to school, and they match up against international standards, too. Match up against now we know how standards. we're doing compared to just about yeah. everyone. Seattle, so Chicago, even though local Shanghai, communities will Paris. still design their own curriculum, with the same rules, everybody can compete on the same kind of staircase. 
So it's them telling you, it's the Common Core people telling you this matches up with the international standards. It's not me saying that, that's them, okay? Author and home educator Alex Newman during the Illinois Family Institute's 2021 Worldview Conference at Revive Church in Collinsville. More from his Get Your Kids Out of Government Schools presentation after this. Christianity is not only true, it's good. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Recently, archaeologists discovered that the ancient Mayans of Tikal in what is modern-day Guatemala had an incredibly advanced water filtration system. Soil samples there show that they filled their reservoirs with zeolites. These are pieces of volcanic material that could filter out big bits of debris and invisible microbes that could cause disease. As a researcher observed, the Mayans probably didn't understand why the zeolites worked. They just saw that they did so they use them. It's a great metaphor for natural law. For a culture like ours that's largely denied the existence of God, we have a lot of scientific data that shows how his law works best. For example, even the most committed sexual revolutionaries can't ignore that stable monogamous marriages are the best context for producing the healthiest children, that sexual promiscuity is dangerous, that virtues like forgiveness and forbearance are essential to healthy communities. All of this is an opportunity for Christians to point not only to these realities, but why these realities work, because it's the way God made the world. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. During this edition, we're featuring remarks made by author and home educator Alex Newman at the 2021 IFI Worldview Conference. During this segment, he explains the urgency surrounding the need to protect our children from failing government schools. And Mr. Newman took a few questions. I'm going to give you just a couple minutes of my opinion, and then we're going to go to God's Word, which is ultimately the only opinion that matters, because we need to ask some fundamental questions about all this. Obviously, we've got a problem. What kind of solutions can we look forward to? The first question is, can we reform this system? And I would submit to you that no, we can't. It's working exactly as intended. When people say the, the education system's broken, I say, no, no, you just don't understand. It's working perfectly. It was designed to turn your children into illiterate morons who hate God and hate their family. That was the goal. When it comes to that, it's doing a fantastic job, okay? So as I see it, we have two options. We get our kids out as quickly as we possibly can, or you get ready for that little new world order that they were talking about where you will have no freedom and everything you love will be flipped upside down. Uh, we need a Dunkirk operation here. I borrowed this uh, term from my friend E. Ray Moore. Uh, the British Army was trapped on the beaches of Dunkirk, totally surrounded by the Nazis, the National Socialists, about to be annihilated. British people got on their knees and they prayed and they said, God, we need a miracle. Then they got to work. Every resource in their society was put at the disposal of this rescue operation. Everything that could float went across the English Channel to pick up those boys and bring them home, and they lived to fight another day, and they're not speaking German today on the British Isles. Uh, for parents, you know, think of the government school building like it's on fire. Okay? What do you do if the government school building is on fire and your child is inside? Well, first you start a petition, then you run for school board. <laughs> okay, very good, right? So you run inside and you grab the child and you run out the door, okay? And, and honestly, it's worse than a fire. A fire is just going to hurt your kids uh, physically. The schools are destroying your kids physically, mentally, academically, emotionally. We've got to get them out, folks. And grandparents, you can play a role here too. Uh, pastors, priests, rabbis, you know, if you're a shepherd in your congregation and the young ones in your congregation are being devoured by satanic wolves, you need to step in and say, guys, uh, got to keep track of your kids, right? Something's going on here. 
So uh, I hope pastors will talk about this. Now, uh, COVID has had a really incredible silver lining. Enrollment in the government's indoctrination centers is dropping like a rock. A lot of districts have lost 10 to 12% of their victims. That is very good news. Uh, when I first started telling people they needed to get their kids out, it was like fringe and radical. Uh, now the tide is turning. Okay, Rush Limbaugh, before he died and the year before he died, three times he said, parents, get your kids out of the public schools. Uh, Franklin Graham, one of the biggest evangelical leaders in America. Parents, you've got to get your children out of the public schools. He was speaking on Todd Starnes' show about the LGBT law in New Jersey. Even President Trump, we've got to protect our children from these failing government schools. They were all correct. So what does the Bible say about these things? Well, Proverbs 22.6 says that uh, Caesar should train up the child in the way that he should go and you guys are like, nah, no, he doesn't say that. Right? Of course, parents should train up the children the way they should go. And then uh, Caesar should teach Caesar's laws to the children. What? No, right? Parents, all the time, you need to be teaching. Not just when Caesar doesn't have your kids. It's when you wake up, when you sit down for eating, when you're walking by the way, when you're going to bed, all the time, God puts you in charge of your kids. Okay? Uh, Ephesians 6, 4. Raise up your children in the fear and the discipline and the admonition of the Lord. Proverbs 9, 10. Right? Something about education. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You can't even mention the Lord in a public school today. You think they're going to get any wisdom or knowledge? And if you believe the Bible, you know that's self evidently ludicrous. They're not going to get any wisdom or knowledge there, right? Uh, what happens with no knowledge? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4 6 tells us. Uh, in Mark 12, Jesus says we should render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Do your children belong to Caesar? Keep sending them to public school. If not, you need to think about it. Okay, uh, God also said, Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 30, whoever is not with me is against me. He said the same thing in Luke. Okay, are the public schools with Christ? Yes or no answer? Okay, then we know who they're with. Okay, pretty simple. Uh, Martin Luther said the school has become the great gates of hell. Harvard was one time a, a decent school, believe it or not, 400 years ago. Uh, their mission statement was that the primary purpose of your education is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. That was the main purpose of your education. We have self-government uh, is very important. Now, homeschooling, I think, is the gold standard. Homeschooling is exploding. Just in the last year, the number of homeschool families has more than doubled, according to the uh, Census Bureau's data. That is really, really good news. Now, the homeschool data is just amazing, right? Homeschoolers are running circles around the victims of government schools. They're scoring in the 90th percentile on the government standardized test. They're better socialized. They're winning all the competitions, the spelling bees, the science fairs. They are dominating. Uh, there's a lot of good private schools out there, but buyer beware. Don't just send your kid to any random private school. You've got to do your due diligence. Guys, I think this is the critical fight. All the other fights that we're fighting, they all come back to this. Our children are being discipled, not by parents, not by the church, but by a government that hates God and hates family. Um, now, the UN wants to shut this down. The Harvard lawyers want to shut down homeschooling. They want a presumptive ban. They're brainwashing, they're dumbing down, and I just want to end on this scripture because I don't want anybody to think it's just like a political battle or even an educational battle, right? Uh, homeschooling is not going to save your children. Jesus Christ saves your children. So we need to understand what we're really dealing with here, and I think it should be obvious by now, but just to put a, a, a very clear, explicit understanding of what's going on here in your minds, we'll go to Ephesians 6.12. God says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Right? It's not just bad guys doing this to our kids. It's powers, principalities, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's all I have, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Alex, thank you so much. Alex, could you take a couple questions here? You briefly talked about it, but parents are, are increasingly saying, I've had enough. I want to get my kids out. They're looking to home schools, and they're also looking to Christian schools. But if more and more people do that, 
you know very well that the left is say, hey, 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 we're going to put some restrictions on you. Or we're going to say, you can't do that unless you're teaching this. How do we counter that? Yeah, excellent question. And actually, we're, we're starting to see that already. Uh, politicians are now trying to target homeschoolers. And I suspect we're going to see a really intensified campaign here soon. They'll probably try to find some family that, you know, maybe abused the kids or the kids didn't do very well. And they'll say, look, that's what homeschoolers are doing. So we've got to be very, very active in this battle. Um, the homeschool community, you know, I, I think a lot of homeschoolers think, well, you know, I'm homeschooling my kids, so I'm good. I'll just retreat and, you know, we'll just hang out at our house. No, we've got to be active out there in the public square. We've got to be dealing with our legislators. If our legislators aren't supportive, we've got to run against them. So we do have to be active in the political sphere, but we need to be clear about educating the public. You know, when they talk about uh, we need to regulate homeschoolers because we need to make sure they're learning properly. Excuse me. According to your own data, less than one-third of the victims in your brainwash camps can do math or can do English. So let's fix the government schools, then let's talk about the homeschoolers who are running circles around uh, the brainwash camps. So, you know, short answer, we've got to be very, very highly involved. We've got to be involved. I know a lot of people in church don't want to be involved in the political realm. Hey, I don't want to be involved either, okay? It's not what I would choose to do with my time, but our children are worth it. Our future is worth it. We've got to stay active. All right, this is uh, Delbra Pratt, Alex, and Delbra is with the Illinois Prayer Caucus Network. So are you giving us a dual purpose of, first of all, save our kids, get our kids out of public school, but then do we stay the battle for the public school where there are kids that don't have parents who will fight the fight? Great, great question. And what I tell parents is, you know, just again, think of the school like it's on fire. If it's on fire, your first responsibility is to get your children out and protect them. And then we still have another problem. The building's on fire, it might burn down our whole town, and there are other children stuck inside that burning building. So how would we approach that? Well, first we'd want to let the town know that the building's on fire and that the children are being burned up. So I think that's a critical thing that people can do. It's not just take your kids out and just retreat to your home and wait for the rapture. Okay, uh, We've got to let the town know the building's on fire, the children are being destroyed. So everybody has a sphere of influence. You can start there. Talk to your neighbors, talk to your elected officials, talk to your pastor, the elders. Uh, let them know what's happening. A lot of pastors don't know. If they knew, they would tell their congregation. Uh, so we've got to get the word out. And, you know, I don't want to discourage people from running for school board or from, uh, you know, running for legislature and trying school reform. Uh, I, I think it's a worthwhile endeavor after you've protected your own children. You know, maybe you don't have any children. It, so it's a good thing to do. But just with the understanding that uh, public school reform, I think, is a dead end. Uh, you know, the Titanic is sinking. Uh, to, to rearrange the deck chairs or, you know, polish the door handles uh, is, is really, I think there's better things we could use our time on. And, and as part of public school exit, you know, you mentioned the, the families with low income, things like that. We want to make sure that there is no child who has to be trapped in a government school. So we've actually got a scholarship fund now. Uh, the state of Illinois has a wonderful program here where parents who want, or uh, people who want to write, I think it's 75% off of your taxes, you can write it. Invest in kids. So if you're in Illinois, look that up. It's a great way, instead of giving money to the government so they can murder babies and brainwash children, you can give that money to a, a foundation, a fund, and then they can use that for a scholarship uh, for, for children. So uh, part of what we're doing at Public School Exit, we do want to give scholarships to children, truly low income. I mean, if, you, if you're, you know, you're driving a 2019 Mercedes and you got a, a vacation house in Colorado, you know, we're, we're not going to help you get your kids out. You just got to reorganize your priorities. But um, yeah, good question. And, and, and one of our board members, I'll just say this last thing. One of our board members at Public School Exit uh, is a wonderful lady. She spent four years as the superintendent of public instruction in the state of Arizona, the highest 
official in the education world in the state of Arizona. And wonderful lady, she went in there thinking, I'm going to reform this. We're going to get Common Core out. We're going to stop the sexualization of the kids. We're going to get them phonics so they can learn how to read. And after four years, she said, hey, I, I want to work with you guys. <laughs> you can't reform this monstrosity. We've got to get the kids out. Yeah, that's what I would say. So with these scholarships you're talking about, you referred to, we want to give new meaning to No Child Left Behind. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Your question, sir. Yeah, so uh, a, a year and a half ago, I picked up the Bible, became a born-again Christian, and uh, uh, thanks. And uh, I got three young boys now, and uh, I listen to Tony Perkins a lot, um, Bot Radio, and ran for school board, got on school board, but I, I guess my question is, is what advice would you really have uh, to help fight against, like, the culturally responsive teacher mandate um, and don't say move to Texas or Florida. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say move to Texas or Florida because the situation is almost as bad there. I, I think people struggle to believe that the education system in Florida or Texas is almost as bad as it is here, but it is. Um, I, I can tell you that for a fact. Uh, so what to do on the school board? I think the main thing that a school board member can do that is effective is raise awareness because the media will quote you if you're a school board member you have more uh, authority and, and you know parents assume that you have more knowledge so when they hear a school board member saying the schools are dumbing down your kids the schools are brainwashing your kids the schools are teaching your kids critical race theory they're teaching your kids to hate kids based on their race or hate themselves based on their race uh, you know, from a school board member, it means a lot more than from, you know, the crazy uncle or the wackadoodle neighbor or whatever. So I would say try to raise awareness. The laws in every state about the authority of school board members are different. Um, but I, I know in Florida, for example, when, when somebody gets elected to the school board, they fly them to Tallahassee for an orientation. And, you know, you can sum up the, the weekend orientation. It's basically you have no power. You can help negotiate salaries and you can decide whether the kids should wear uniforms or not. But that's it. Your curriculum's gonna come from the state, the standards are gonna come from the state, your book selection you can pick from these books that the state has chosen, and of course all those go right back to the federal government, and all those are then now, as you guys know, linked in with the international standards that are emerging. So unfortunately there's not a whole lot a school board member can do, but raising awareness is just critical. You talked about the proficiency standards of students, math, science, etc. What about the proficiency rate of the teachers? Um, I know some about that, yeah, and, and actually, um, I, I'm always careful when I say this, because there's a lot of people who are well-meaning who go into teaching thinking they're going to try to help uh, kids, but, but what I argue is that teachers are in many cases just as much victims as the children. You know, they went to a state college for four years, and they thought they were going to learn how to educate children. Instead, they were brainwashed with this exact same garbage that they're expected to push on children. They were taught that the way you teach reading is by having children memorize whole words by sight instead of by teaching them to decode it using phonics. And so this is what they were taught. A lot of them don't realize that the things that they're doing are very, very harmful to children. Uh, in many cases, that's in their worldview. But it is a fact that, uh, you know, the, of all the colleges in, a, in an average university, education college will typically have the lowest performing students, you know, the lower grades, lower SAT scores, et cetera. And, and really, at this point, it has become like four years of ideological indoctrination more than education when they go get an education degree. Alex Newman, during the 2021 IFI Worldview Conference at Revive Church in Collinsville. Mr. Newman is one of the founders of Public School Exit. IFI is working with this ministry to provide strong, Christ-centered alternatives to government schools. You can find out more at IllinoisFamily.org. 
and click events at IllinoisFamily.org for information about the IFI Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet with the Reverend Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. All donations are tax deductible. And tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.